Hey, what's happening, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here bringing you the 2022 NWSL Challenge Cup preview from The Equalizer. Uh, You've heard me on here on The Equalizer podcast before, and this was originally a live Twitter spaces where we took some questions from you, the listeners, the readers, our supporters, and answered them about the Challenge Cup ahead, the season ahead, uh, and spoke a little bit about teams. If you want the team-by-team previews, I'm going to encourage you, as always, EqualizerSoccer.com. We go into great depth there on everything from if you are a new fan, what's going on with this team, what's the high level. We've got that for you. If you want to go in depth, you can skip right over that section and get into the nitty-gritty of tactics and personnel and where we're going to see a team thrive or or struggle. Um, so excited to bring you those. Head over there. And we wanted to get this in your podcast feeds Um, We're on a slight break from the regular podcast, which we plan to resume uh, ahead of the regular season, but wanted to make sure we got you a full Challenge Cup preview in the interim. And so I'm bringing you that. I brought it to you uh, live on Twitter. Thank you for those who joined me there. Um, So just keep that in mind as I'm interacting with some folks and reading their questions. Uh, But for the most part, it should sound like a typical podcast and um, certainly should get you informed on the Challenge Cup that is ahead which is right here upon us. Excited to have some games back in the NWSL and excited to bring this to you in our feed. So uh, thank you for joining me and looking forward to bringing you once again uh, our regular analysis and insight on uh, your podcast feeds very soon. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Thanks for joining this NWSL Challenge Cup preview. And I've got a few questions from you all. Please feel free to... Shoot some to me, ask away, add your opinion, and uh, tweet them at me, and I will try to get to them all, and we'll talk all things Challenge Cup. We are entering the Challenge Cup. The preseason is a little over a month away. Sorry, the regular season, and the regular season will overlap with the Challenge Cup, which is going to be a a fun couple of weeks, I'm sure. Um, So we'll preview the whole regular season in the future about a month from now probably in between those those the end of the challenge cup group stage and the beginning of the regular season and uh we'll pick back up for for those of you listening to the pod um, plan to pick back up with the regular pod um, as you know it at that time so we'll have some full season previews and at that point we'll have uh, a semi-final round of the challenge cup to look forward to and look back at uh, what happened in the challenge cup thus far but right now We will talk about the Challenge Cup itself, third rendition of it, started in 2020 as something of an emergency replacement for the regular season in the height of the pandemic or in the early days of the pandemic and uh, stuck around as what is now a quasi preseason tournament uh, depends which team and which people you ask when you're sort of talking about their their feeling and read on it but uh, I think on a positive note it is uh, competition that means something at least and NWSL is back for the first time in about three and a half months and um, I've been saying this it's been kind of a long off season in a way uh, in in the wrong ways of, of how kind of draining it has been uh, for many people involved and uh, in other ways it's been a very short preseason one of the shortest on the books well the shortest on the book it was our latest championship in 2021 and uh, preseason starting uh, equally as early as last year which was the earliest it had started. So a short preseason on the calendar, uh, a bit of a long one in the uh, energy department maybe. And um, looking forward to turning our attention to some actual games. So if you're tuning in, you're probably aware of some of the basics, but just to break it down for you, Challenge Cup, we've got 12 teams in the league now. So 
three divisions of four teams, which gives me very MLS early 2000 vibe. But thankfully, that is only for the Challenge Cup. I'm a big proponent of. I'm very happy actually with the regular season being a single table balanced schedule with uh, home and away for for each team. I think that's a really smart move, and the NWSL would be wise to keep with that uh, going forward. So. Looking forward to that, but focusing on the Challenge Cup, we've got the Central Division, which is Chicago, Houston, Kansas City, and Racing Louisville. In the East, it's Gotham, North Carolina, Orlando, Washington, and then the West. The two newcomers, Angel City and San Diego, joined by O.L. Rain and Portland Thorns. So um, not going to go through the whole schedule for you, but just for opening weekend here tonight, it's Friday. We've got Racing Louisville and Kansas City in Louisville, and then O.L. Rain hosting Portland Thorns, which is typically a big one on the calendar, but this one itself is um, O.L. Rain's first game at Lumen Field as that stadium being its permanent home, which is one of the bigger off-season items, um, certainly on a positive note anyway, uh, league-wide, as uh, we got rid of both baseball stadiums, thank goodness. Kansas City has moved into Children's Mercy Park, and even bigger news is building their own stadium for the near future, hopefully for 2024 is the, the plan. And then O.L. Rain is at Lumen Field now, no longer a Cheney Stadium. So the two baseball stadiums, two baseball fields are gone from the NWSL, hopefully never to be seen again in any market. And uh, looking forward to Lumen Field and how Seattle fans turn out for that. Uh, opening week, weekend continuing tomorrow, Saturday, it's the Spirit the 2021 regular well, 2021 champs, not regular season champs, but champs overall entering this Challenge Cup, and they're in Orlando. It's North Carolina hosting Gotham, and then probably the big one of the weekend, really, with respect to uh, maybe the co-favorite big one of the weekend um, alongside Rain Thorns. It is San Diego at Angel City, which is not... It's, it's a soft launch for Angel City. They're playing the Challenge Cup games at Titan Stadium in Fullerton. So we won't see them at Bank of California until the regular season opens, and they'll get that as a nice standalone game, which is good. And then Sunday rounds out the action, Houston hosting Chicago. So uh, group winners, we've got three groups. Group winners heading to the semifinals, best second-place team will join them there. And that's where we'll have some fun because the regular season starts a week before the semifinal well before the final and only days before the semifinals and then there is a full schedule for that may 7th weekend so we'll have to figure out uh, well we won't the league will have to figure out what exactly it's going to do on rescheduling how that will affect teams and what that will look like but worry about that when we get there so um, a little bit of housekeeping maybe we've been doing team by team previews uh, for the year at large is the best way to put it on each team what the year looks like. Some of that includes Challenge Cup, but really more of a bigger picture. What's this going to look like from now through November? And then we've been doing division by division previews that are specific to the Challenge Cup, which is really this short-term tournament. So you can check those out on EqualizerSoccer.com. Uh, most of it free and accessible. Some of that, the division previews that go into a little bit of depth and also include, um, in most teams' cases, some exclusive insight from players and coaches that um, Dan Laletta tracked down um, and spoke with. That's for subscribers only, so you can subscribe there at equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe, running a bit of a preview, a promo, excuse me, um, if you're not subscribing to, to sign up for the year and uh, get yourself on board that at a nice discounted rate. So you can check those out as a team-by-team in-depth. Um, wanted to take really take questions here and also talk about a few bigger items and, and not necessarily exhaustive, which I think those previews would, would be more along the exhaustive line. So 
Um, again, tweet me a question if you have it. I've got a few up and I'll start there and then kind of jump off from there. But if you have anything, um, feel free to to holler at me. And I think um, I'll start with, because expansion is kind of the one of the big topics and I think one of the big storylines early in this season, early in this year, and has been coming into this year. Uh, I've got a question from... I'll do the at handles because I don't think everybody's got their name in it, but at old Croatian coach, uh, Casey Stoney coming in for SD Wave. Will she be able to bring beautiful play the way she did for Manchester United, which played possession football in England? Can she bring that to the States or will she have to adapt to the American style of play? Question mark. Can she adapt? I'm rooting for her. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be good to see. So so I guess in, in some neutral way where many of us might be rooting for that. Um, I think those questions are not necessarily uh, independent of each other. I think she can bring that. But yes, she will also have to adapt. I think any and she has said this to, to some degree, you know, anybody coming into this league and not willing to adapt is going to have a really hard time. And I think we've seen some examples of that in the past with coaches who have struggled. Um, absolutely, she's going to need to adapt. I think she at least seems to recognize that and is saying the right things in, in how she needs to approach it. You know, Jill Ellis as president, um, you know, with some oversight of, of roster building, and, and I'm sure I would imagine some daily conversations with Casey Stoney will, will help with that insight. I'm sure. So, you know, I'm really interested to see what, what San Diego looks like. I mean, Casey Stoney, a, a defensive, uh, an international defender for England, a defensive-minded coach. You know, I, I do agree, Manchester United, for the most part, last season, which feels like a long time ago, looked uh, really impressive and, and was fun to watch. Um, obviously, they dealt with some injuries. They dealt with some off-the-field issues that, that were reported toward the end of the season that I think affected them in, in their drop from top of the table to, to fourth there uh, over the course of a few months in the spring. But yeah, I think Stoney, you know, interested to see. I, I think, look, San Diego, there are a lot of teams this qualifies for. So in some ways, San Diego and Angel City are, are fortunate that they are coming into the league as expansion teams, which are expected to take time to click, expected to struggle. But they're coming into a league that has almost league-wide hit reset. Um, almost every team, I mean, one of 12 coaches entering this season were in that position to start last season, and that's James Clarkson in Houston. And, you know, so, so there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of fluidity, and it's applicable across the, the board. I mean, you look at some of these teams, and there are a lot of unknowns, whether that is a coach who has never coached at this level or in this league. It is a roster overhaul, a combination of the two. Most teams seem to be in that boat for the most part. So, you know, I think that's an advantage in some regards for San Diego and Angel City, and they will get the Challenge Cup to see exactly where they are at without it affecting their regular season campaign as they both really, I would say, hope to be in the playoffs in year one. So I, I think that's a blessing for them. You know, Stoney has kind of pretty much flat out, I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago on a press call that I was on with her that you know, she was not hiding the fact that the Challenge Cup will be a learning process and, and something of a trial run for San Diego, um, which is kind of where I've, I've kind of been talking about it uh, being a quasi preseason for a lot of teams. So, you know, interested to see what San Diego looks like. I do think very defensive minded. Their back line is going to be very good. Abby Dog Kemper, Naomi Gurma, I think Tegan McGrady on, on the uh, flanks there on, at fullback. Um, you know, forward, they have Alex Morgan, they have Sophia Jakobsen, Jody Taylor. You know, I think those lines and including goalkeeper Kaelin Sheridan will be good. The midfield is going to be the question. 
There are some converted midfielders is probably the best way to put it, and that'll be you know an ongoing storyline to watch to see how that looks, and you know we'll see how that midfield can click and connect those two lines. So uh, thank you for the question. I think it's probably a good jumping off point before I go to the other questions just to talk about Angel City, these two teams meeting to start the Challenge Cup. And, you know, obviously a lot of buzz for both. Angel City really built around Kristen Press, first signing. Uh, She will lead the forward line. I think she'll have some good support. You know, Simone Charlie is a player who uh, was probably ready to be a starter regularly, is of starting quality, I think has shown that, but, you know, was more or less behind Sophia Smith and Morgan Weaver in Portland. So I think it's potentially an opportunity for her to get a shot. We don't know exactly what Angel City is going to look like yet and how Freya Coombe will line them up. And there is some competition there as well with June Endo in as a big international signing. So we'll see what that forward line looks like. But I think that should be solid. Questions from there, you know, to be honest, I think the back line on paper in November with the acquisition of Sarah Gordon and Julie Ertz, if she was going to play on the back line, maybe she would have played in the midfield as the holding mid, and that would have been equally uh, an equally good thing for Angel City. But Julie Ertz not uh, reported, not expected to report for Angel City, and then Sarah Gordon with a knee injury, uh, certainly keeping her out of the Challenge Cup, and it sounds like a good portion, if not maybe all of the the season um, is a big blow. I mean, Vanessa Gill is, is going to be, was already going to be an important piece, but now has a lot to shoulder on that back line for Angel City. So I think maybe um, not necessarily inverted questions here in terms of San Diego, uh, a lot of defensive stability and maybe some questions in the midfield. And with Angel City, I don't think you have that defensive stability from the outset. And But you do have, obviously, a similarly... Uh, similar scenario at forward, at least, where you've got kind of a major, uh, one of the best American players over the past decade in both cases, and uh, they will be a team that's built around them and they will be leading their lines. So I think similar in that sense, but after that, you know, Angel City actually, you know, on an overall roster front could potentially have more question marks than San Diego, obviously with a very big one. Um, a very big one from uh, the midfield in San Diego. So uh, thank you for that question. And that covers obviously the two expansion teams. And we'll look into uh, look to see how they play in this first season and, and in this Challenge Cup. Um, taking a couple more questions here. Don't want to keep anybody too long, including myself, because we've got a lot to get to uh, on, on all fronts of the content front and getting ready for these games today. Um, so looking toward the regular season, uh, on Twitter here at fast and heavy now 12 teams in the league. Why not send eight teams to the playoffs instead of six and make it full quarterfinals, semifinals and final without any buy. Um, I actually really don't like that idea. I, I mean, that's two thirds of the league making the playoffs. I think half the league making the playoffs is more than enough. And last year we, we kind of saw that scenario anyway, when they expanded to six, six of 10 teams making it. Um, I, I think, just like I love the schedule being home and away, it's 22 games. You add teams, maybe that's 24 games, whatever that's going to look like. Um, keep it. Six teams, keep it as you expand. I think it's a good format. It's been played with in the past. You can play with it in different ways, um, as we've seen creatively with WPS in the past. But I, I like I like the idea that first and second round teams, or excuse me, first and second 
finishers get a buy. It adds a little bit more of incentive to the shield, which didn't exist before. All you did was, all you got was the fourth place team. You didn't get a buy. You got your home field advantage, but there's an added incentive there to finish first or second, which puts a little bit more value on the regular season. So I like that. I don't like watering down the the playoffs into even greater, adding even more teams and and you know it's just too many. So um, that's what the Challenge Cup is for to some degree. Everybody gets a shot. Maybe that's the beauty of it. Um, but I would say six teams is good for 12 teams. It's good for 14 teams, and it should stay. So um, I'm actually very much in favor of uh, six at the max and maybe maybe playing with the format. Uh, but I think actually the uh, four versus six, um, excuse me, three versus six, four versus five in the first round is a pretty good one. So, uh, but appreciate the question. I think it's it's worth keeping an eye on as expansion happens. Um, at, hopefully I don't butcher this, I'm sorry, at Halas Collette, uh, do you think O.L. Reign will get European players this season or will the Euros make that too difficult? I think the Euros do make that very difficult for every team, really. And um, I, I do think that we will see, in general terms, the rain dipping into Europe. And maybe we should just say specifically the rain getting players on loan from Lyon, who is their sister club. Uh, I, I think that will be uh, a trend throughout the years as for as long as this ownership exists, which presumably will be for a long time. So obviously that had a great, had a great impact on the rain in 2021. You know, yes, Fareed Benstiti leaving, Sam Lady taking over for a bit, and then Laura Harvey coming in full time. That was a big genesis of that turnaround, but so too was, you know, a mid-season or roughly mid-season uh, arrival of Eugenie Le Samer, Jennifer Marazan, Sarah Buhadi, and don't forget Rose Lavelle. So um, those first three being short-term loans from Leon. You know, I think I think that's probably a trend that will continue. Will it happen this year with Euros? Probably not, just the way that the seasons work out, the way that the calendar works out. But who knows? We could see. I think there are some some places the rain could use that uh, a little bit of a boost. Um, and certainly, if they have the ability to to just kind of uh, cross over from their their friends at Lyon, it's a pretty easy loan to execute, isn't it? Um, which is a nice perk for them. Uh, Barry Schaefer, what, uh, what do you think is the biggest concern for the North Carolina Courage this season? Um, you know, boiling it down to one thing is a little bit difficult because there are questions across the board. Um, you know, obviously wrote about this earlier this week in the team preview. I think this is a team that could be good in the future that has some of those foundation points. It is a team that could potentially get that right this season if all sort of clicks perfectly but I do think that there there could be a learning curve here on the rebuild I, I do think I am confident they are in a rebuild even if that topic if that word is not being used um, and look I mean to the point that I made earlier about San Diego and, and Angel City and the benefits of when they're coming in a lot of teams are in that you know they each have their own specific scenarios and context and obviously you know I think um, I, I'm not going to go too into this right now, especially with the new season upon us. And, and I think looking forward is, is really uh, a good thing for all of us. Um, but, you know, the added context in many of these markets of what happened over the past six months, you know, in North Carolina, that is front and center. Sean Nahas, now the full-time coach, called that ground zero at one point at the end of last year. So I think there's added context to that and and how that rebuild is is coming along and why it is without maybe 
the traditional leadership that has been there, which, you know, the departure of Sam Mewis and Lynn Williams, both of them combined, I mean, adding that to the previous departures of Abby Dahlkemper, Crystal Dunn, um, and then add in Jess McDonald leaving, you know, there's, there's a void there that needs to be filled. So I don't know if I have a specific singular concern in North Carolina so much as overall there's there's a huge rebuild and we need to see what's the system going to look like because I don't think the box is going to work anymore. Who's going to step up? There are some young players who are very exciting. Brianna Pinto is is obviously, I think, front and center and, and is something of a homegrown player coming through that club. Um, but, you know, I think the to, to try to answer your question, among those many concerns, one big one that, that jumps out would be the front line. This is a team that traditionally, um, I say traditionally in relative terms, but when it's been at at its best has been a goal-scoring juggernaut. And that is really Dabinia in support, yes. Crystal Dunn in support, yes. But, you know, a, a Lynn Williams, Jess McDonald front two in that four-two-two-two box. And Williams and, um, excuse me, Williams and McDonald now gone uh, have departed in this offseason. And you look at the forward line, they've only got four four forwards rostered right now. And part of that is uh, Brazilian Carolyn waiting for her, trying to get her visa sorted. And I think, you know, looking forward to seeing her play um, in this environment, in this league. And, you know, I think a lot's going to be asked of her from the courage. But um, I think that's probably one of the bigger one of the bigger question marks for them. So um, appreciate the question. I'm just taking a quick glance, hoping that I didn't miss any, uh, and we're close to the half hour mark anyway. So um, shoot me a question on Twitter here if you have one. But um, that covers some individual teams, obviously, but plenty more to, to come on that. I think that you look at the West, I think the West having two or four teams that are expansion sides is going to be pretty wide open. And, you know, particularly, I say we don't know a lot about some of these teams, particularly in the West. We really uh, don't have a lot of answers about Angel City or San Diego. Portland, obviously, with a a mild makeover on the field and a new coach in Rianne Wilkinson. And then Oh Rain is, you know, the most stable of that group. Um, You look at the East, I think Gotham, you know, we're just talking about North Carolina. I think Gotham and, and Washington the most established of the two sides in that four-team group. North Carolina with the question marks. Haven't talked about Orlando much, but did write about them in depth in the preview. I think Orlando has a lot to figure out, um, and that's kind of been a a perpetual question. To some degree, um, it remains so heading into this season, and you know, frankly not expecting much in this Challenge Cup from the Pride. Um, I, I think that the Challenge Cup, as much as any team, needs to be a really a trial point for them to see what's going to work, what might not work, because there are a lot of young players, a lot of unproven players, which is not new to that team per se, but um, maybe a rotation of who they are, and they need to figure out what that's going to look like and who can step up. And I think the Challenge Cup is the time to do that. Uh, it gives them a little bit of time before the regular season. And then the Central Division, you know, I think equally interesting in that it's a bit of a head scratcher because you've got Racing Louisville with uh, Kim Bjorkiken, and and he is um, a bit of an unknown on the coaching side. And then he he inherits a roster that hasn't drastically changed, or or maybe best put as we've kind of written in some of our previews on on EqualizerSoccer.com, 
hasn't changed enough for a team that finished second bottom. Um, so I think that that's going to be really interesting. Does he get more out of that group than uh, the previous coaches, at least uh, coaches plural with an interim in there, were able to get? And, and how does that look? Kansas City Current, uh, there's a lot of buzz around them, obviously, with the addition of Lynn Williams and Sam Mewis. And I think those two will be very key. Mewis is playing, um, still kind of seems to be coming back from the knee injury and, and not necessarily 100%, but who knows? We haven't actually been able to, even though we've had inter, inter-league uh, preseason games, we haven't actually been able to see any of them. So um, I think current will be very interesting to watch over the, the course of the entire season. And then uh, the Dash, maybe maybe the Dash are the most stable team of this group, but the the questions of them, you know, of them their own that um, you know Houston was underwhelming last year, frankly disappointing last year, given how 2020 went and and what the expectations were, and how they ended the season three straight losses in shutout fashion when a point would have gotten them into the playoffs. So as much as they're stable, or maybe the most stable team in this group. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean a lot or say a lot for them. And then Chicago, you know, I talk about mystery. Chicago, mass exodus in players um, in the off season. Obviously, everything that has happened and, and maybe is um, still really unresolved, which I think is, is extremely disappointing uh, to observe from afar of how unresolved it is at an organizational level um, from the Rory Dames fallout. Um, Chris Petrozelli steps in as head coach now, officially hired and announced two weeks into preseason, um, which is a challenge and a a, a head-scratcher in itself. And then Chicago, obviously, trying to answer some questions with those departures, some really significant ones. I mentioned Gordon and Ertz. Gordon, in particular, played every minute last year for Chicago. And then some injuries, um, which, you know, includes Kilia Watt, which we finally figured, finally were confirmed that that's an ACL injury. That um, wishing her the best on, on getting back soon, and Chicago will need her. Um, couple of really important players who will miss some version of a lot of time, or may, maybe the season. We don't really know, but um, Casey Kruger and Sarah Waldmo both expecting their uh, each expecting their first child, and congrats to them. You know, two very important players for Chicago. Uh, who certainly won't be here for the Challenge Cup and maybe a bulk of the season. So a, a lot to answer in Chicago as well. Um, so I think, you know, honestly, the Central and the West, really wide open. I think the East, you have to be looking at, and, and we talk about the format of this Challenge Cup with the best second-place team. You know, if we're looking at this on paper and say, maybe of these three divisions, where would you say, which division would you say has the potential for a best second-place team? I would say on quality certainly the East, and that's pointing to Gotham and, and Washington. Now, how does that work out in a point scenario? Do Gotham and Washington kind of beat up on each other and somewhere in another division that is theoretically weaker, uh, a second-place team runs over you know, the third- and fourth-place teams and, and gets into the semifinals? Certainly could happen. We'll see. But um, honestly, looking forward to some competition. I, I admit that I have been a, a little bit tough on the Challenge Cup because I do think that this the theory of this tournament uh, is great. The execution of it is not from it being a preseason tournament to one that is overlapping uh, the regular season and conflicting with that schedule and obviously running through uh, as well 
has a, and this one a little bit unavoidable because these exist all over the calendar, but is running through an April international window to some degree as well. You know, I think, I think the execution is not there, but you know, I, I think there is a through line here to improve it and say maybe a challenge cup becomes something better and something more in the future. Would love to see it as a tournament that takes place somewhere in the middle of the season. I, I admit that I'm borrowing from and expanding on this idea from some people who are very smart and I trust that I've spoken to but you know use this year as an example and it's going to happen again next year with the World Cup you know the NWSL's quote-unquote break for the regular season is what it's always been it's a weekend off it's not a break and players have said that I don't know why we keep selling this as a break but you know if you want to take a proper break and you want to have a challenge cup or some version of this why not you look at a Euros and World Cup qualifying. Basically, most of the globe is in action internationally in July this year. And next year, the World Cup is going to land July and August. So why not start the regular season a little bit earlier? Here it is March 18th. We could be starting the regular season, keeping it as is, with a midsummer break, a proper break. Maybe it can't be five weeks. Maybe the NWSL doesn't feel that's good business off the field, but maybe it can be three weeks, something more substantial than a weekend off, which is what World Cups have been as well. And in that time, have a version of maybe it's just the Challenge Cup. Maybe it's an opportunity to expand upon and and merge a Challenge Cup with the idea of what the ICC is doing and the Women's Cup. And frankly, neighbors to the South, Mexico, who in that window or basically between seasons and and teams are prepping for preseason as well. I think there's opportunities there to make this better than what it is and and get right into the regular season. You know, we're even even now we're talking about a challenge cup hedged as well. It's just a feeling out process to get to a regular season where things really pick up. So would love to see this format um, improved and, and really just the execution improved in the future. And I think there are a lot of ways you could go with that. It doesn't have to just be a league cup, quote unquote. It could be, but I think you could expand that to internationally. And, and honestly, again, you know, smart person who had this idea, we've got four groups, uh, excuse me, three groups of four. Why not have four groups of four and work into each group, uh, a team from Mexico, you got four teams, four of the best teams from Mexico, Tigres, Riadas, whoever else, and bring them in, see how things go, and and you've got some international competition, you've got some crossover, you have marketing opportunities, you have a better format, got to win your group to get through to a semifinal, and um, you can run that in the middle of the season. During a World Cup, let's say, and yes, you don't have the internationals, but you still give opportunities to other players, depth players, to get real meaningful competition, and in that scenario, you have an ability to do something that you can market as something other than just here's all of our teams that you're going to see anyway in the regular season in a different kind of formatted tournament. You know, at least you bring in some other teams and you've got something to market. So uh, just an idea. I know there's always uh, there's there's always many ideas and uh, not always they don't always come to fruition. But uh, positive note here, competition is back. So looking forward to the Challenge Cup starting tonight, Friday the 18th and a full slate of action we've got an even number of teams always love that so we've got a full six matches this weekend two tonight three on saturday and one on sunday as i mentioned at the beginning all on paramount plus in the u.s and twitch internationally and looking forward to that uh let us know who you think might 
prevail. Um, as I said at the outset, we've got team-by-team team season previews. We've got division-by-division division previews for the Challenge Cup and a lot more. We've got some new player spotlights, uh, North Carolina's Caroline um, Portland's Hina Sugita, who is going to be a very important midfielder. Didn't, didn't talk too much about the midfield in Portland, but uh, a lot of changes there with Lindsey Haram's departure. Crystal Dunn not playing from the outset here. Uh, as she expects her first child and uh, Hina Sugita probably going to have a lot of uh, a lot of responsibility on her right from the outset, the Japan International. So um, a profile of her, and we'll have some more of those coming as some scouting reports of newcomers to the league and a lot more for our subscribers. So please go ahead and subscribe, uh, EqualizerSoccer.com. And appreciate you joining me here on this Twitter Spaces, and I am looking forward to joining you all more frequently. Let me know. Let us know what you think, what you'd like to see, if you want to see more of this, and we'll try to do some of it uh, perhaps in reaction to games or on a Monday morning or previewing games uh, ahead of each weekend. But let us know what you like, and we'll try to adapt to it and do it. So thanks for joining me. Appreciate it, and uh, enjoy the kickoff of these games.